Cork's Red FM. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you are all well on this Sunday evening. Rory here with you on the Big Red Bench. And we have a packed hour of sport coming your way between now and 7pm. Defeat from Munster today in the China, the, the Champions Cup as they went down to Toulouse. 18 points to 13 was how that finished today. We are going to get reaction from boss Graham Roundtree and we're going to talk to the legend that is Moss Finn about that defeat for the Reds earlier on today. We're going to look back on the World Cup a little bit. We'll hear from the England and French camps after that epic game last night. And we have an in-depth interview with Cork Camogie icon Gem O'Connor about her new book and her Cork career. That's all to come between now and seven on the Big Red Bench. Really glad you could join us on the show. Uh, we're here until 7 o'clock, two weeks to go to Christmas to the big day. It's really icy, it's really cold outside. It's starting to feel rather, rather Christmassy indeed. And you could win a very, very nice Christmas present as well. YouTube sensation, the overlap is on the road to Dublin's Three Arena for its very first live Irish show football legends Gary Neville, Jimmy Carragher and of course our own Roy Keane taking to the stage at the Three Arena on Thursday the 23rd of March uh, for uh, what will be an absolutely cracking night now um, tickets like this are like gold dust we have a couple of pairs of tickets to give away so if you want to enter if you want to head to the overlap see Roy Keane on stage with Jimmy Carragher and Gary Neville in March at the Three Arena all you have to do is I want your name uh, your address please I want them via text or WhatsApp to 086 8104 86 8104106 and I want the answer to this ridiculously easy question it can't get much more simple than this Roy Keane played for which League of Ireland club Roy Keane played for which League of Ireland club as I say cannot get easier than that 086-8104-106 you could be heading along to the overlap at Dublin's 3 Arena on March 23rd Thursday night and you'll see Roy Keane Jimmy Carragher and Gary Neville live on stage 086-8104-106 Roy Keane played for which League of Ireland club name and your address please uh, via text or WhatsApp and we will uh, get to those in just a little bit Alright we are going to talk rugby first and uh, going to get reaction from uh, Munster's defeat uh, to Toulouse in a bit going to wrap up all today's sports news as well before that but first I'm uh, going to get a full time report from Tommy Rooney who was watching this one in Limerick Roman Park and Toulouse have beaten Munster by 5 points 18-13 in freezing conditions in this first round Heineken Champions Cup clash with the scores locked at 10 apiece at half time Toulouse came flying out of the blocks after the break with a try from substitute Lucas Tauzan inside 90 seconds. Ramos missed the conversion though and we'd have to wait another 30 minutes for a score. Ramos adding a penalty in the 72nd minute to stretch their lead to 8 before Carberry responded with a penalty of his own. Man of the match Antoine Dupont was Simbin laid on but Munster couldn't muster that last chance they needed. Roundtree's side go on to face Northampton away next Sunday while Toulouse play sale at home. Full-time score in Tomlin Park Munster 13 Toulouse 18 And that was how it finished uh, today and um, 
disappointing game from Munster disappointing result anyway um, for the Reds but um, certainly plenty of positives to take uh, from that game and look plenty of positives to take uh, from it and yeah it was yeah we'll talk to uh, Moss Finn about it in uh, a little bit anyway but um, as I say look plenty plenty of positives for Munster to take from it but um, yeah defeat for the Reds in the end going to hear from uh, their uh, manager Graham Runtree in just a little bit just want to wrap up all today's action Ulster failing to register a single score today as they were hammered by the sales Sharks in Salford Dan McFarlane's side losing with 39 points to nil Sale running in 6 tries today uh, and get a games full time in Mallow the Munster for junior football final uh, Kilmurray, Kilmurray beaten by Fossa today off Kerry the uh, Fossa winning 117 uh, to 16 David Clifford with 10 points for the Kerry side Athletics Team Ireland celebrating a 5 medal haul at the European Cross Country Championships in Turin the women's team winning bronze the men's under 23 team also finishing third in the men's under 20 race Nick Riggs took silver Dean Casey claimed bronze and there was also medical attacks for the under 20 men's team thanks to their second placed finish uh, football and uh, action today in the championship Burnley back 3 points cleared the top of the table they had a comfortable 3-0 win at managerless QPR an 8th win in the last 10 league games for the leaders boss Vincent Company says his players showed they hadn't lost the momentum they built before the World Cup break we took the game to them I thought we played really well in the first half we did everything um, I thought we set out to do perfectly and in the second half we had a, a spell where we needed to grind it out where we needed to be a little bit more compact a little bit more I would say organised and even then we did well and, and we looked still dangerous yeah, that was Vincent Company today speaking after uh, their win this afternoon. Elsewhere, uh, Watford climbed the place up to fifth following Roller Straw at home uh, to their uh, strugglers, uh, fellow strugg- or the strugglers, uh, Hull, excuse me, uh, today. Elsewhere in the uh, Women's uh, Super League today, the Republic of Ireland star Katie McCabe scoring for Arsenal as they beat Aston Villa at uh, Villa Park today. They won by three goals to one earlier on today. Manchester City, Manchester United played a one all draw in their derby tie over 40,000 people at the Etihad Stadium a record crowd uh, for uh, Manchester City at home uh, boss Gareth Taylor was happy with uh, his City side today you can see that this team is starting to, to gel and play really well together and uh, you know it looks a strong group of players looks a really good group of players to work with so I think it's exciting I think we've uh, got ourselves into a really good position uh, elsewhere uh, Manchester United boss is Mark Skinner and he says his side has shown real progress against their rivals they've only suffered one defeat so far this season we're frustrated with the result but not the performance I felt that we um, this was a mentality change for our group they've come off at the end and they're very disappointed that they've not taken the win uh, elsewhere today in uh, in football and that was uh, the uh, the wrap up there from that elsewhere in golf and Aki Strider was on the Alfred Dunhill Championship in South Africa finishing 18 under par overall two shots clear of Adrian Otegi in second Tommy Kibben ended the week on 10 under par to finish in a tie for 13th Gary Hurley was 6 under par and in racing today Ener Juman took the honours in the grade 2 Hillyway Chase a Cork race course in Mallow the odds on favour securing a comfortable win for trainer Willie Mullins um, right, we are going to just look back briefly, I suppose, at uh, England and France last night. England on the way home after uh, losing 2-1. Harry Kane blasting a penalty over the bar last night. Um, 
to what would have been a minute to all. He scored an earlier penalty and just, for whatever reason, just lost concentration. Maybe, I don't know. Sure, just blew it, blasted it over the bar. But Gareth Southgate, the manager, says his captain is not to blame. He's got nothing to reproach himself for. We're in the position we are as a team because of his leadership, because of his goals over a long period of time. Tonight, the, the result is the result because of 100 minutes of football and lots of things that happened at both ends of the pitch. As for Southgate himself, he's not sure if he's going to be back. Um, he has a contract until after Euro 2024, but says a period of reflection is needed. I want to make the right decision, whatever that is, for the team, for England, for the FA. And um, yeah, I've got to be sure that, uh, that whatever decision I make is the right one. As for France, then they'll face Morocco as they became the first African team to reach their last four by beating Portugal 1-0. France manager Didier Deschamps knows his side facing a big challenge. It's not a surprise now seeing them because um, we've now seen them uh, put in a number of uh, top performances and uh, they haven't stolen these victories. They've deserved it, so credit to them um, for getting this far. Yeah, big, big uh, game last night. Uh, an enjoyable game as well. I thought England played very, very well. Um, just ran on a steam a little bit. I thought they were well organised um, and played very, very well. Kept France quiet. Just a couple of um, lapses in concentration. Just that Harry Kane penalty blasting it over the bar. But uh, semi-finals this week, Argentina-Croatia coming up uh, on Tuesday. At 7 o'clock start for that one uh, and the semi-finals France and Morocco uh, Wednesday at uh, 7 o'clock as well for a betting man. Going to go Argentina, France in the final, Croatia, Morocco um, in the third, fourth place playoff. But you just never know it's been that kind of World Cup. Uh, right back to Tommen Park. I'm uh, going to hear from uh, Graham Roundtree, um, who spoke after Munster were beaten today 18 points to 13 uh, by Toulouse in the Champions Cup. A bit disappointed. Um, a tight game. Um, good to get a bonus point out of it against a class outfit like that. But we'll look at how we can take our opportunities better be, and be more clinical with opportunities presented. You must have been happy with the majority of the first half. You controlled a lot of the ball in the first 20 minutes. You're in the perfect position at half time. I suppose 10 points apiece. Um, how frustrated were you, were you at the start of the second half? I think it was less than 90 seconds. When that's right. Hugely frustrated. We spoke at half time about winning the next 10 minutes. Um, because we felt we were doing some good things with the ball in hand, but then we give them immediate access to our five metre line, and we just we, we didn't deal with that more well enough, and they broke out of that, which and they scored a relatively easy try in the corner. What did you think the difference was um, in the first half? You controlled so much of the ball in the first 20 minutes. I think it could have been Toulouse's first time in the 22, and they had a try after 60 seconds. They could just switch it on, couldn't they? Yeah, they could. And, you know, territory second half, they probably bet- bettered as they have not seen the numbers, but. We weren't great at being as accurate as they were when we were on their try line. Uh, we had opportunities uh, around our mall and we turned the ball over. That was a key moment. Uh, then we had a penalty against Gav Coombs at around 54 minutes when we were, we were challenging their breakdown. Then that puts us back. That was another key moment. There's been a nice feeling over the last couple of weeks, a bit of momentum building. You had a two wins back-to-back coming into this game. Um, I think the crowd was just shy of a, a sellout today in freezing conditions. Yeah. When the noise got going, it got going. How did you find it? You know, I was, was spoilt with the crowd. You can feel the crowd. I mean, it was challenging conditions for everyone, players and the crowd. Our momentum, we're still going. We're still going. We'll, we'll look at what we can do better and uh, we'll keep moving forward. Northampton away next week. What do you got to do in the next few days? Oh, we, we, we'll have a good look at what we can do better in terms of giving them access. Uh, look, at, uh, look at our penalty count as well. 
but we'll keep looking forward, being positive. I want us to keep building, because I can see what we're doing. We're challenging teams with the ball in hand in particular, and we'll look at how we can be more accurate when we get to their five-metre line. All right, delighted to be joined on the line now by our pal Moss Finns. Talk about uh, that Munster performance. Moss, it's a defeat for Munster, but a lot of positives to take from it, I feel. Very much so, because it was a very difficult game against a world-class team in hor- horrendous conditions. I mean, the the fog was unbelievable. The commentators couldn't see the far side of the pitch. If a ball went up in the air, the, the full-backs could only see it in the, uh, for the last two or three yards of it coming down. It was, the conditions were very difficult, and I think the conditions suited too loose because the grind suited them. Munster, to be fair to them, have tried to play this new way under Townsend and um, or uh, Rowntree and um, it would have worked perhaps on a better day, you know. So there was, it was a very brave performance by Munster against a very, very strong and powerful Toulouse team. Um, this Munster team has uh, certainly improved over the last couple of weeks, Moss. Can you, I suppose, put your finger on where it's changed? I think they, I think it's mindset, you know. Um, um, Graham Rowntree has changed the way they play. He's given fellas freedom of expression. You can see players improving under them where they were under him, whereas they were probably compromised by Van Graan and who had a more systematic way of playing and playing just um, long ball football, for the want of a better term. So I think they're beginning to express themselves better over on, on, under Rowntree. It may not come to fruition this year, which is a bit of a pity, but the signs are good that we're on the up and up, you know. And I mean, even like playing against a gargantuan pack like that and and possibly living off, you know, we were behind in the set pieces a little bit. And we, the forwards expressed themselves, the backs expressed themselves, Joey Carberry expressed himself. And, you know, it, it was refreshing from that point of view. You mentioned that huge, huge pack of the French side, Moss, but Munster certainly put it up to them in the early stages. They got a, a massive scrum penalty uh, near the start as well. They won a penalty after that. Joey Carberry uh, hit the post from that effort. So Munster really brought the physicality early today. They did, yeah, and like they, Munster looked very comfortable. Um, Coombs was playing well, carrying the ball. Peter Manny was playing well. Um, the Niles Scallon's darts were excellent in the lineout, and it looked as if Toulouse hadn't even turned up for the first twenty minutes. We were so on top, but then the second half changed, and Toulouse were on top. You know, but it, it was it was a very positive experience for for the for this team. But I mean, it just if if I think if the fog wasn't there, we might have kept. Uh, too loose on the back foot and we and we may have got a result but the combination of power and conditions went went against us slightly and um, Toulouse had left an awful lot of experience on the sideline and so that's possibly what cost them in the first 20 minutes and 40 minutes but then they brought on all their heavyweights for the second period and the game kind of changed slightly even though Munster still did well yeah, I suppose Moss, when you're going head to head, I suppose with that that gargantuan Toulouse pack as well, it is going to uh, take a lot out of you physically. And Munster certainly tired, I suppose, in the second half, which is kind of understandable. It is very understandable, you know. But having having said that, we made just a couple of mistakes which didn't help. I mean, Tony Frisk there in the middle of the pitch, he was caught for the for for, for the Toulouse first try. He came up too fast in the line, and they had the overlap and scored. And then when he left, when he when he could have left the ball going to touch near our line and we would have got the line out, he touched it quite silly, quite stupidly and Toulouse got the five-yard line out and they were never going to be stopped in the rolling mall from that position. So notwithstanding the fact of their power 
we still had chances. We, we it, was, it was actually mistakes that cost us. But that, as you say, was probably because of the relentless force of, of nature that Toulouse are. I mean, they brought on a whole new front row there after 60 minutes and they were even bigger than the fellas they took off. You know, I mean, that must be very tiring for individuals. No, we brought on our front, our, a new front row as well, but our backup wouldn't be quite be as strong in depth as theirs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Joey Carberry, there's always a lot of eyes on him and he's always very intensely scrutinised, I suppose, whenever he plays for Munster and indeed for Ireland. But a good performance made today, a good try and uh, he played well today. He played very well and it's the more, I've always said it, like when you play 10, you have to get matches. I think if he can get a run of having 10 top class matches under his belt, we'll see the re Joy Carberry and he'll contest Sexton for that, for that 10 slot in, in the World Cup next year. This is about his fourth or fifth match in a row now and you can see he's growing in confidence, he's growing in stature, he's, you know, his reactions are better because he's more, he, he's up to speed more with, with, with match pace and I mean, the way he thought out the try today was wonderful. You know, he he kept getting us to come up on the right hand side, up on the right hand side, and we were everything was going left to right. Bang! He goes in left and goes in under with one step. You know, he has the perception. He has everything, in, in my opinion. All he needs is a run of matches, and when I mean a run of matches, I mean half a season. Mm. That's how much he needs to be really up to speed. You know, but he was excellent. Yeah. And um, the, the, the Jack Crowley, the young lad who came on, played in the centre outside him for the last twenty minutes. And so that we had two sort of playmakers and that seemed to work well. So perhaps one team might look to that or Prendergast, who's the offensive coach, they might look to playing the two, the two of them in, in the back line as first and second five like they do in New Zealand. And the Crowley, every time he handled the ball, he, he looked impressive as well, you know. So rather than picking Crowley or Carberry, I'd be inclined to go ahead and pick the two of them now, but then we'll have two playmakers. That might be something you might look at for the Northampton game next week. Northampton well beaten by La Rochelle this weekend, so they'll be smarting heading into that game next week. What are you expecting, Moss, from a Munster's trip to Northampton? Oh, it's, it's very hard for a team to be beaten twice. I mean, if, if Northampton are beaten next week, then they're probably dead, so it, it, that'll make it much harder for Munster. And on, on the road is more difficult. I don't think the English League is what it was. It's a bit fractured because of you know, the liquidations of Salesharp, of um, Exeter and Worcester. So they mightn't be as good as they should be because they don't have as many matches. But having said that, Northampton at home is a difficult task, but I feel it's a must win if we're going to qualify. Um, just speaking of La Rochelle as well, of course, Ron O'Gara signing a new deal with them. Um, despite interest from England, that uh, O'Gara said he rebuffed. Um, it's big news for La Rochelle and were you surprised, I suppose, to see O'Gara turn on that England job? Um, not really. I wonder how seriously was it offered to him, you know. I've always said about Ronan O'Gara, in, even in his playing career, that his biggest asset was the six inches between his two ears. <laughs> he's very strong-minded. He's a, he's a very intelligent man. And I'd say that this English thing, um, it, I, I'm not saying it was a falsity. It probably did happen, but it was in the media for longer than it should have been, perhaps. And I think he may have orchestrated that to strengthen his contract with La Rochelle or his chances of a big of a bigger contract. He's now signed for five years, which is that's a long time in rugby football at club level. So I congratulate him on it. Um and I think he's done well, but I think he probably orchestrated himself. I don't think he'll take the international jump. Not quite yet, but he'll do it in time when he's ready. And will that be with Ireland in a couple of years, do you think? He'll finish with Ireland, you know, that would be the way I'd be thinking. And because if he comes back to Ireland, 
where does he go after that? You know, that that would be the, yeah. the the ultimate job for him, possibly, and perhaps his last. You know, that's the way it generally goes with a, with a native, even though Kid Nino is coaching in London Irish. But I would see R- Ronan O'Gara's Irish sort of dream really would be towards the end of his career rather than in the middle of it or towards the, you know, the top of it. Um, speaking of England, were you surprised to see them sack uh, Eddie Jones just nine months out from the World Cup? And I mean, like, it's, it's it's very close in time and I suppose they didn't have the best of Novembers, but um, were you surprised to see him go considering how close we are to that World Cup? I was, I was, because, I mean, love, love him or hate him, I mean, he's, he's, comp- he's, he's, he's box office, you know, television. He's every time he opens his mouth, like he he attracts attention. You know, he's he's a kind of a caustic, sarcastic sort of man. But he's you can't argue with his his win record. It's about seventy five percent. He's he's brought teams to three World Cup finals. He's won one of them. So I mean, his his pedigree or his career st- statistics speak for themselves. But it is the fact that he's so caustic in nature is why people love to see him sort of dropped in there, mm. sacked in this instance. But I think it's a mistake by England because everything he did in this autumn was geared towards the, the World Cup next year. I think it's perhaps England mightn't have the strength of depth and players that they had. It's why they're going back and I don't think it's Eddie Jones' fault. So I would consider it a retrograde step mm. for England, not a progressive one because Jones, love him or hate him, he's clever. <laughs> he certainly is. And like for England to sack him and not have a ready-made replacement to come in. There's a lot of links with Steve Borthwick and he's kind of rebuffed those last couple of days, says his focus is on Leicester. We saw with Wales when they sacked Pivac that Gatlin was in straight away. So this uncertainty isn't helping the England cause, I think. Uh, absolutely not. And Steve Borthwick is he's probably the opposite to, to Jones in one sense and that he's a very gregarious type of individual. Um, a bit like Andy Farrell that we have, you know, the mm. players like him. They'll do anything for him. He's he's a kind of what you call the friendly leader type, where where Jones is more the dictatorial type, autocratic type. Um, I, I, I consider if they can get Borthwick, it would be well worth their while. But it, it doesn't seem to be a given, which surprised me. As you say, mm. they should have had someone in line if they're going to sack it for them. Mm. And just actually on Wales as well, we surprised to see Gatlin come back in? It's No, not really. Even I, I, I wasn't in the fact, in the sense that like the Gatlin could we could could walk the oracle again there he has in the past I mean the the Welsh um, the Welsh franchises have been basket cases for the last four <laughs> or five years but that never seemed to upset Gatlin's performance at, at yeah. you know he's winning Grand Slams and he's and he brought them to the World Cup semi final twice I mean he he has he has he, he has you know he's been a Houdini for for Wales like whether he can be again I'm not so sure because their franchises are even worse now they've only won in the Heineken Cup. And um, so maybe he can do it again, but, you know, he's getting old himself as well. So maybe he mightn't have the, the wherewithal at this stage yeah. of his life. But I wasn't surprised to see him selected. No, I wasn't. All right, Mass, as always, sir. A pleasure. Thanks for talking to us today. Very good, Rory. Thanks a lot. Always a thoroughly enjoyable occasion talking to Moss Finn. Uh, thank you, Moss. And uh, delighted to have him. We'll talk to Moss after uh, next week's game as well. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Munster can uh, pick up a win. But look, plenty of positives to take. From a month's perspective uh, today, I think, and look, it was freezing cold up there. I would not have liked to have been on the terraces in Thoman Park today. Your toes would take about three and a half weeks to warm up after that. It looked absolutely freezing. The fog, uh, as Moss alluded to, made it hard for the players uh, to deal with. And look, 
just one of those games for Munster but as uh, most positives to take lot to build on and look things certainly seeming to go in, to be going in the right way under Graham Roundtree so looking forward to, to next week's game against Northampton that's next Sunday at 1pm uh, we have had so many texts in about our uh, competition to give away a pair of tickets uh, to uh, the overlap which is happening in March with of course our own Roy Keane uh, Gary Neville Jimmy Carragher taking to the stage at the Three Arena in Dublin if you would like um, to be entered into the draw for a pair of tickets uh, to the overlap um, you all you have to do is text your name and uh, address please uh, to 086 8104106 uh, name and address you can send it by text or whatsapp to us um, and I want the answer to this very very simple question which League of Ireland club did Roy Keane play for? Which League of Ireland club did Roy Keane play for? Very, 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 very simple question. Or so I thought. There's been quite a few wrong answers coming in as well. Uh, for those people, just give me your head a shake. It's 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 no. It's, it's very, very simple. Um, so we've got a, a couple of wrong messages in. We have got a couple of um, rock mounts Um uh, messages in it's true to play for Rockmount uh, Rockmount um, not League of Ireland so it's not Rockmount and look like, look it's so easy I'm not going to give you any more hints who did why am I having a discussion about this who did uh, which League of Ireland club did Roy Keane play for 0868104106 via text or WhatsApp please and enter into the draw for a pair of tickets uh, to the overlap in Dublin this coming March alright we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're talking to a Cork Camogie icon one of the greatest players to play the game and look 9 on Ireland's 11 All-Stars what a haul her new book is out now Why Not a Warrior it's absolutely incredible Gemma O'Connor is our guest next The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Absolutely delighted you could join us on The Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening my name is Rory O'Hagan I'm here with you until 7pm and uh, we are going to talk uh, to one of the greatest Camogie players of all time Arguing to be made that she could be the greatest. Gemma O'Connor, uh, the St. Finbar's club woman, um, has released a new book. It's called Why Not a Warrior? The Gemma O'Connor Story. It is superb. It's uh, written with uh, Sinead Farrell of the 42.ie. covers her incredible core career. Um, nine All-Ireland titles, 11 All-Stars. And as it says uh, on the back of the book, Gemma is a role model for all young women and men who want to be open and comfortable about their sexuality. It's a very, very important book and it's absolutely fantastic. Well worth reads out now on Hero Books. Uh, we have a couple of copies to give away, actually. If you'd like to win a copy of Gemma's book, just text the word Gemma and your name and address, please, to 86 and uh, we'll add you into the draw for that. But I uh, got a chance to speak uh, to Gemma earlier on today. Uh, we were trying to organise it for weeks, actually. Just, it's uh, one of those things that I kept uh, getting pushed back and pushed back and she was available and I wasn't available, that kind of thing. But we finally got a chance uh, to sit down over Zoom today and it was a uh, fantastic conversation as it always is with uh, the legend that is Gemma O'Connor. So this is my conversation uh, with Gemma about her book, Why Not a Warrior? Uh, the Gemma O'Connor story. All right, delighted to be joined on the line by Cork Camogie legend Gemma O'Connor to talk about why not a warrior the Gemma O'Connor story. Gemma, first off, how are you? 
I'm good, Rory. I'm good. It's a nice weather. It's cold, but it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I love this weather, actually, to be honest, to take this over the grey, miserable drizzle any day. Um, tell me, Gemma, um, take us back to the start, I suppose, of the book process. Um, how did it all come about and why did you feel now was the right time to write your book? Um, I don't know. I suppose I was firstly asked by Sinead Farrell through um, Hero's book, um, Liam Hayes, who's the publisher of... Um, Heroes books and the idea was put to me about doing a book and at first I was like I don't know I'm not doing I'm not doing any book but <laughs> I suppose then we sat down and talked about it and discussed kind of discussed the reasons why um I suppose it was kind of more positive than negative and I suppose you kind of put your own personal fears aside about doing it and um I suppose we just kind of I agreed to it then and just said look we'll give it a go um I'll be honest with times I probably felt like maybe I need I wanted to pull out of it just I felt like maybe you know you know, talking really personal about things and I suppose there's probably a fine line about, you know, delving into your personal life and exposing it and uh, but look as I said before, if I'm doing the book and it helps people in some way, then look, I've gained something out of it, so I suppose that was the reason really, and I suppose the second reason or probably one of the main reasons as well is probably to give Camogie a platform and to tell, or, you know, my story mm. in the eyes of a, of a an ex county Camogie player and just kind of see how the world works in terms of Camogie and how was the writing process with Sinead how did that work um, it used to be kind of I suppose we used to try and meet up when we could but during Covid and all that that was a bit difficult um, I then was deployed to Lebanon so I was formed up for, for overseas from September onwards last year so that was a bit difficult So because I was up up the country in training pre-deployment and then when I was deployed there was no leave or anything so it was over a lot of Zooms um, so we used to try and do kind of a weekly kind of every you know maybe twice a week whatever the case mm-hmm. may be depending on my schedule and Sinead's schedule and you know we just sit down she might tell me beforehand look I want to talk about X, Y and Z um, you know can you just uh, have a think about you know certain games or you know things about your personal life about growing up or you know whatever the case may be so that's how it kind of used to work as you say, Jim, I mean, like, it's a deeply personal thing. I mean, like, did it take a while for Chanel, I suppose, to, to break those layers down and get into, I suppose, the, the quote-unquote, the real Gemma? Um, yeah, um, I suppose as well. Look, obviously, it's a book, and, um, you know, it wasn't camogie, a bit of my personal life and my family. But, you know, obviously, I can't put my whole life in it. There's obviously mm. things that that's not in it um, as well. Like, so it's about kind of breaking it down and condensing it all into one book and being happy with what's going in and being as honest as I can like to give and especially people that know me to come across that like you know people can kind of almost hear me through the book you know um, and I suppose I, I kind of wanted it to be a bit as much you know authentic as as I could like you know so um, yeah it's uh, it's done now anyways <laughs> <laughs> The reaction Gemma has been overwhelmingly positive you must have been blown away by the reaction the book has gotten yeah look um, again when I was asked to do the book I was like you know I suppose the way I always describe myself as you know kind of like a small fish in the big pond in terms of of the GA world and stuff like that so um, yeah the, the reaction has been really good um, and you know when I when I was doing it I was like if the book if, the, if, if 200 if the book sold and 200 people bought it or 2000 or you know whatever the case may be I'll just just go along the people you know people who are interested in it will buy it mm. um 
So, um, yeah, I know I've been quite taken back by the, the reaction and um, I suppose, you know, people since, you know, even yesterday I was inside Eason's for a book signing and a, a woman from Spain, a young woman came up to me and she was like, is that you? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, um, I don't know. She was like, I know it's hurling, but she was like, I'll, sp- I'll support you and buy the book because I'll read it on the flight home and she knows nothing about Kogi or anything like that. So like that was really, it's really nice, you know, you kind of, it kind of puts your faith back in people that people, you know, support support you and uh, people are nice, like, you know. Yeah, the book signings must be very great as well. As you mentioned, they're just like that one story, but I'd imagine a lot of people are coming up to you telling you, I suppose, how much you mean to them and I suppose how inspiring you've been to them. Yeah, um, you know, people coming up with their kids and adults and uh, people buying it, you know, for Christmas presents and things like that. And, you know, as I said, it's a story. It's not just about sport, really. It's about life in general. Um, and I think... You know, a lot of people might be able to relate to it, whether it's sport, whether it's family, mm-hmm. whether it's sexuality, whether it's, you know, it's, I suppose kind of like a 360 view on my life. But I think, you know, most people can can relate to it. Do you deal well with people coming up to you saying, no, that you've been an inspiration to them and all that? Because I suppose the Irish thing, the car things go, ah, go on, go on away and leave me alone, no kind of thing. Like, but do you deal well <laughs> when people come up to you saying that? Yeah, like people ask me, how are the book? How's the book going? And I was like, um, to be honest, I don't really know. I was like, um, I, I tried to kind of, like the book is out there and I try to forget about it and put it into the background a bit but um, yeah like you know you get text messages and people will come up and say oh my god I read your book and I never knew this and you know and mm. um, you know you're you're an inspiration to my daughter or you know I've watched you play and you know all that and yeah I suppose as Irish people we're a bit shy in terms of of, of, of accepting positive feedback and stuff like that but it, no it's look I have to say it is nice to hear that yeah it certainly is and Jim I suppose for people like is it a help for people dealing with their sexuality as well and would you hope that the book would help those people Um, yeah I think so look it, it's something I, you know I never really kind of spoke about it to the forefront it was always something that was just you know part of me like you know everybody and same way somebody that is heterosexual don't really go around talking about the sexuality that's the way I used to just <laughs> yeah. kind of ta- carry myself you know you know I'd introduce whoever um, you know to to my family or to my friends and um, you know that that was just the way I always looked at at it and I felt like I should you know I didn't really need to talk about it massively but I suppose you know you kind of have to realise as well that you know, as an ex-Cork Mogie player and stuff that, you know, I've been around for 19 years and there are people there that probably, you know, do look up to you and things like that, that I think sometimes we forget that we live in a world that's very accepting to a certain degree, and but there are still people out there really struggling in terms of their identity and sexuality and everything else, you know, so I think it was kind of very important to kind of put that out there that, you know, it's, you know, there are people out there that live full lives, uh, you know, that get married, that, you know, everything is normal, if that's what you want to call it. And, uh, but I suppose just to kind of, you know, just to, to put it out there, just to kind of reiterate it. And, and, and I suppose not to take for granted too that we there are people out struggling out there still. John, take us back, I suppose, to the start of your career. I mean, like, what was it about Camogie that, I suppose, stuck with you and, I suppose, made you keep coming back and back? Because I'd imagine at a young age you tried pretty much every sport, but what was it about Camogie that kind of stuck with you? Um, what made me go back, is it? No, just what, what is it about Camogie when you started out that you were like, oh, yeah, this is the sport for me? 
Yeah, um, I mean, like a lot of young people that play sport kind of tend to do two or three sports at, at the one time east. Um, you know, especially in school, I play a bit of soccer in school, a little bit of basketball. I used to do taekwondo down in Stefanifa, um, and I did that up until I was 12 or 13. And obviously, I used to always play camogie. And I suppose I got to the stage then when I was about 12 or 13, then I kind of had to pick one. But for me, I don't know, it was just the game of camogie, the game of hurling, whatever you want to call it. I just, there was just something about it that. I don't know, it was something that I had a bit of a passion for more more so than the other sports. Um, and for that reason alone, I, I stuck with it. And then I suppose my family um, were big into it. And, you know, my mom is a big driving force behind that. And it was just the game that I loved. And that's why I just kind of dropped everything else and just concentrated on that, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like reading your role of honour, I mean, like nine All Ireland's, 11 All Stars, it's just such an incredible career. I mean, like you obviously reflect a lot on it writing on, on uh, the book, but, but I mean, like, is it something you think about it, like when you think about the incredible career that you have had? Yeah, sometimes, you know, when I've stopped playing Camogie uh, into county in the last couple of years, I look back and, and kind of go, oh my God, how did I do that for so long? Um, when you're in it it's just like kind of like the process and you go through it and it's all you know but then mm. when you stop you kind of look back and say you know how did I keep up that intensity for so long but you, when, you, when you're in it you're, you're just you know one year is done I think it's really important to go in and enjoy your winter for me I think that's massive I know teams a lot of teams and stuff like that the, 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 the standard of training and expectation of professionalism and all that gets higher and higher and teams are going back earlier and earlier but I think it's really important to enjoy a well overdue break and kind of you know be kind to yourself mentally and physically and then go back you know mm. motivated as as ever because like, once you start in that's it but um, yeah um, I don't know it was just no matter if we won or lose the next year it was always like something to aim for like mm. you know if you won it all earned that was done that was pushed to one side and that was you know the next objective was to gain another like you know so that's that's kind of the way I used to operate Who are the players you would have looked up to Jim I suppose when you were coming up I mean like was there any particular players I suppose you modelled your, your playing game around or was it something that just kind of evolved I suppose over time Um, I suppose when I was younger looking at there was a lot of players I, I used to kind of look up to Um, you know I suppose we're talking for different reasons you're talking the likes of um Linda Mellorick, Denise Cronin, Vivian Harris, Mary O'Connor, um, you know, um, you know, player Fiona Driscoll, like massive influence. Um, and I, I was lucky enough to play with with those players. Um, Claire O'Malley, my own club, was playing for Cork for a long time, and you know, as a kid and as a teenager, you want to mimic that and you want to kind of carry on the flag, you know, for your club and stuff like that. So. Yeah, you know, I used to have idols, both male and female, and and the same with with the men, like you know, the likes of Teddy McCarthy and stuff like that. The way he used to feel the ball at midfield and stuff like that, both football and hurling. So, yeah, you saw I was look up to players and that's what train and aspire to do. Maybe not the same thing, but you know, kind of see what works for them and 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 kind of say, well, that's what I want. You know, I want mm. I want to wear the red jersey. I suppose, Jim, as well, over the years, you played in a number of different positions, but that number six Cork jersey synonymous with Gemma O'Connor, was that your favourite position or was that kind of just where managers saw you saw you best? Yeah, it kind of happened by default, really. It's uh, Mary O'Connor retired and I slotted in there. They were, um, I suppose, for a bit, they didn't know who else was going to go in there and I played wing back 
I played a lot of my time in, in midfield and every now and then they might chance me to go up forward. I actually started off as a forward growing up. Um, but um, yeah, I think when Mary O'Connor retired at the back, they kind of saw me as somebody that would slide into that and I was kind of kept there then since and it kind of suited me, I suppose, was the role, you know, so... Yeah. Um, it's probably a question you're asked quite a lot and I probably would imagine it's quite a difficult question to answer but of the nine All-Irelands is there a favourite one or one that kind of I suppose, sticks out in the memory more than the others? Um, yeah, look, that's a good question there's a lot of them there that, you know, for different reasons you 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 enjoy winning them I suppose I was the first one who always stick out for me because, you know, I was young, naive nothing to kind of, yeah. you know like you're you've nothing to lose really like you've no you're not setting any standards so you're just going out and I was lucky enough to win in 2002 but I have to say in terms of probably not the best games to watch but in terms of the way how we won them and how we kind of grinded it out 17 and 18 was against Kilkenny beating them by a point on both occasions Mm. especially against a rival team that's been literally nothing between us we've given each other nothing on the pitch like you know and to beat them twice in a row by a point like has been was very satisfying. So uh, yeah, I think seventeen and eighteen are those two key standout games throughout my career. Mm. Paddy Murray was in charge for I suppose ten years of your career. Um, how important was he? I suppose to your your career and your development. Yeah, he was massive. Um, you know, my relationship with Paddy um, has been very good. Um, he's probably a very controversial character a lot of people you know he he's um, he has his own way of doing things and you know we won a lot of Lollarlands with him and um, you know you have to admire that he you know set the standard for Cork Camogie like when Cork Camogie needed it um, and uh, you know you can't fault him really for his effort and his professionalism you know does he get things wrong of course he does you know and no, nobody's perfect and um, you know he has certainly made a lot of mistakes so as we uh, as players as well like so um, but yeah he's um, he's given Cork Camogie you know I suppose a lot down the last 10 years and, and you'd have to thank him for, for some of that you know mm. um, The Cork team went very very close this year as well under Matthew Toomey um, do you think there's an All-Ireland in that team next year Gemma? Yeah um, look they're not far off it um, and I suppose look they've been involved in, in the All-Irelands in the last two years I suppose you know they're a team that kind of went from a transition period after losing a few players and those those players that were kind of, if you want to call them, you know, not not the, the most senior players at the time are now the senior players, you know, the likes of Laura Tracy, Ashton Thompson, um, the, you know, the, the Mackies, um, you know, Amy O'Connor and all them, you know, they're the, they're the flag bearers now and they certainly do have the potential. It's just, look, it's like everything else when you lose, when you win, it's, it's brilliant and it's like, you know, you, you need to change nothing but when you lose, Obviously, you need to tweak it, and I think it's like yeah, it's just slight slight things that they need to get right. But um, you know, players playing in the right position and stuff like that. But yeah, look, I can't see why they can't win another All Ireland. How hard was it watching them last year, Gemma? The first year of your time, and was it a bit easier, I suppose, watching from the sidelines this year? Um, yeah, look, I suppose the, the first year was was hard, and I went up to watch it, um, and you know, I kind of felt like uh, I. I I should be nearly out there with them, um, but 
yeah, look, it, it's it's it does get a bit easier. I think maybe COVID as well uh, helped that, you know, that that kind mm. of process and retiring a little bit easier. Um, for me, so it, it kind of it was yeah, it's still hard to watch, but it you know it gets it gets easier. <laughs> and do, do you, you, you have to miss like when you're getting older? That's it. Like you know, you just you, the, the, the 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 mind wants to do it, but you know you know for a fact the body <laughs> doesn't. So like you know, you just have to go with it. <laughs> Believe me, I know. Um, I suppose the big question is, do you miss it? And B, I suppose you well, you're certainly not missing. I suppose the preseason training around Christmas anyway. No. But do you do you do you still I suppose miss it or is it okay now I've kind of parked that chapter of your life and moved on yeah look I'd be honest um, you know even playing my club and stuff it was a bit disappointing not um, winning the semi-final and mm. Shandun who went on to win it beat us and stuff like that and I met Breach Corkery actually the, down in Clannacilty uh, about two three weeks ago and I was just talking to her and I suppose what both of us kind of agreed is so I was kind of missed winning really like I felt like I haven't won anything in a while and even when you retire that competitiveness is still in you, like even though you know you're not playing um, into county anymore, and you, I, I do, I miss that. I suppose I miss that winning feeling. I miss being competitive. I miss being young and fresh, and and you know having that 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 pep in your step going out to play. But uh, look, that's life. I, I think no matter what player, or what athlete, you know, when you retire, I think that's the thing that you probably miss most: the that being competitive and and winning, like you know. Is coaching an avenue you'd you'd, uh, you'd go down? Um, certainly, I think you know as soon as I probably you know I don't I don't know if I'm going to be even go back playing club next year. I'm not even sure of that. Um, it's something that I definitely would be looking into. I don't want to close the doors on Camogie completely. So you know whether it's I get involved in underage club and county and look I'd love to eventually get involved in the senior setup in in club and county as well. So. Uh, that's definitely something that I might be interested in down the line but yeah I'd, I'd love to obviously stay in, in the game Camogie in some capacity you know yeah exactly yeah. and over the years Jim I mean like you obviously work full time as well um, and with your job was it I suppose difficult combining that with I suppose the demands of being an inter-county Camogie player um, yeah look it can be very difficult um, the defence forces really uh, as a whole have been very good to me in terms of my Camogie career in the last 19 years when I was playing into county um, it kind of goes hand in hand sport really and as well especially when Dermot Early was chief of staff at the time you know it was a massive you know emphasis on sport and, and uh, you know the GA and all that but um, look you know sometimes you just need to work when you need to work and then you, you kind of do that so to kind of leave free yourself up for, for, for when you need time off for the important games and season for during the summer and stuff like that so you do have to balance it sometimes but to be fair um, they have been very good to me you know um, something you kind of mentioned at the start didn't you Gem was kind of I suppose um, Camogie and I suppose the exposure it gets and the media coverage it gets you've obviously seen kind of um, the increase in that over the last number of years which is fantastic to see but is there's still a long way to go I suppose in that regard yeah, um, like even when I started off playing with senior set up in 2002, I think, you know, it was it was always increasing five, six, seven. And then it kind of just kind of hit a stalemate. And then I think there was a kind of, a, a, you know, a bit of an a, an increase again in, in kind of the latter years, but it's kind of hit another stalemate. I don't know why we can't get the numbers up at Arl Arlerlands and... Um, 
I don't know, look, it's it's a media thing. It needs to be, people need to see it. You know, it needs to be on TV more. Um, there needs to be more promotion. Um, and it's all about exposure. Like, you know, if people don't see it, then, you know, they, they don't know anything about it or they mightn't have any interest in doing it. But so, like, I, I, I don't know things maybe need to be changed in terms of media and maybe the way the Camogie Association do things for sure because um, look, we need the numbers, we need the exposure like, you know, and I, I don't know is there has there been a massive increase in the last five years from what it was five years ago, you know mm, Exactly, yeah. Uh, Gemma, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today and thanks so much for joining us. Why Not a Warrior? The Gemma O'Connor story is out now on Hero Books Massively, massively appreciate your time Gemma and have a very happy Christmas Thanks Rory. Yeah, you too. Have a good Christmas Yeah, an absolute yeah. pleasure talking to Gemma O'Connor today um, to us pro Balavi Hannies actually um, so great to have another Hanny on the show but um, her book Why Not a Warrior? The Gemma O'Connor story um, which Ned Farrell's don't know in Hero Books it's an incredible read and it's certainly well we're picking up and uh, congratulations as well um, to let me just double check our winners here to make sure I get them all right yeah we've got it we're giving away a couple of copies of Gemma's book uh, congratulations to Keith on the model farm Ron and Sarah in Mallow the copies of uh, Wild Out of Warrior are going to be on their way to you and a text in as well from our old pal Mary White Mary White of course the author of Relentless an incredible book uh, on the Cork ladies footballers but just sent in a, a quick message uh, about Gemma it says massive congrats to Gemma a fantastic book and for being so brave to speak about her life so openly had the pleasure to briefly play alongside her with Naka Villa FC and it was brilliant to have such a, a warrior beside you all the best to you and Aoife and thanks again for everything you did for Cork here here certainly uh, echoing those words from our pal Mary White uh, we're pretty much out of time um, we had tickets to give away to the overlap which is happening in the uh, three arena in Dublin in March March 23rd the legend that is Roy Keane will be there that's all you really need to know but also it's going to have Gary Neville and Jimmy Carragher there as well it's going to be a cracking night like tickets like for this are like gold dust uh, but with thanks uh, to MCD we've got uh, a couple of pairs of tickets to give away on the show today and they are going to Dun, 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 dun. Gary Morrissey from Paula Duff and Amy Kingston from Cargilline. Congratulations, guys. Uh, you are going to the overlap and we'll be in touch uh, about getting those tickets to you. So congratulations indeed uh, on winning the overlap tickets. That's going to be a, a fantastic night. Um, that's pretty much it from the Big Red Bench this evening. Thanks very much indeed for tuning our way. Our next shows will be our next week's show, next Sunday's show will be our last show before Christmas and indeed uh, the new year for me anyway. So that'll be our last uh, live show coming up uh, of 2022. So join us for that. We'll have uh, a reaction from um Munster and Northampton and we're going to have plenty more besides as well World Cup final day of course as well um, so really looking forward to, to checking that out hopefully it'll be Argentina because they're the team I have in the World Cup buster here in work a lot of accusations from a certain Neil Prendival about uh, rigging because I organised the buster and somehow I got Argentina but I didn't actually do the draw I'm going to point that out to Mr Neil Prendival um, so yeah, I just want Argentina twinks. I want that money for Christmas, basically. Uh, thanks very much indeed for tuning our way. We're back next Saturday and Sunday from 6. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, folks. Green and Red is up next. Uh, three hours of the best Irish music coming your way right here on Cork's Red FM. Talk to you later, folks. Miss the show? 
Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM.